Blog Talk Radio. So God, it's faith-based. It's so you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know, a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they were pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, a challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about well, totes? Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me here again on the Atheist Roundtable this weekly, mostly. Live, always call-in show about atheism and agnosticism and belief and non-belief, a whole bunch of other things that usually will flow into your own stream of consciousness for a full 30 minutes. But tonight, I have something even better than that. I have an interview with someone that you've never heard of before. I have Robert Burks. Now, I know you've never heard of Robert, and that's okay. That's cool. You know, sometimes what we need is some fresh blood in the podcasting interview world. It's not saying that it's not cool to hear from all the cool people that are in the podcasting world, but from time to time, what I think would be great is if we got some brand new people involved. I'm involved in a couple of local atheist groups, and I put the word out for me to get some buddies on the show. And Robert and Walter, whose interview got lost due to technical difficulties, both of those guys promptly replied. I have a Robert with my interview with him tonight. Further ado, here it is. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Atheist Roundtable tonight. I have a great special guest that you've never heard of tonight. Isn't that awesome? Someone new. Someone that's not the same guys and gals that you hear from all the time. Doesn't that get boring? I've got some new blood for you. This is Robert Burks. And Robert and I met because Robert wanted to form a, a community of atheists in my town and found me because I already had one and said, well, what are you doing here? That's <laughs> awesome. And so that's how Robert and I met, and we've been great friends ever since. So, Robert, thank you so much for joining me on the roundtable tonight. I'm good to be here. So tell us about yourself, tell us who you are, and tell us why in the world you would be so silly as to think that Jesus wouldn't sacrifice himself for your sins. Let's see. Uh, like you said, like I already said, I'm Robert. Um, I wasn't always the level-headed human being that about you know that I am now. I uh, grew up in the deep South, where religion and Jesus is the thing. Um, naturally, I did grow up in that environment. I believed in that kind of stuff uh, most of my childhood. Uh, I uh, I was initially initially Catholic for a short time until I was about maybe six or seven before my family started going to more uh, Southern Baptist churches and things like that. So uh, that's pretty much what I was that, that I was involved in. Uh, I was typically the the, the back pew uh, Baptist, uh, pretty much the one always when I sat in the back, but. Uh, <laughs> I was involved in that for a while, then until about 13, 14 years old, I started going to more non-denominational churches, uh, like, you know, you know, First Church of the God or, you know, 
First Assembly of God stuff, stuff like that. Whenever I was about 15, I started getting into a new type of crowd, kind of started getting to that, that rebellious crowd in you know, junior high and high school. And I started thinking to myself, this believing in God thing is just so goody two-shoes. I don't want I, I, you know what, I'm not going to worship God anymore. You know, I'm going to be that rebellious kid who's sticking it to my parents and to my, and to my uh, community in the deep south. Uh, but I still believed in God. Uh, living in the Deep South, you have that impression and that's the only that's the only choice, you know what I mean? During my absence from the church, I began to explore other things. You know, I started getting more into, you know, um, the world and especially stuff like, you know, um, like, you know, learning more about the universe and space. And that was that really humbled me more than anything else. And, of course, I was attributing that to God because I was like, yeah, God is great, even though I don't really worship him anymore. It's so goody two-shoes. <laughs> um, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean, like, goody two-shoes? I mean, is it like, – Like, I thought it was such – maybe it was because I lived, lived, it, lived it all my life. I thought that it was, like, the norm, and it was just too, too mushy, mushy good, you know what I mean? Like, God is just a good thing. You have to be this great person. And I had the mentality, you know, me being a 15-year-old teenager, I want to be more the rebellious type. And I'm like, this believing in God thing is so lame. This worshiping God thing is so lame. I mean, and I, that's whenever I got out of it. So you really were the rebellious atheist, the, the one that was going to rebel against God. I was the chosen one. No. <laughs> I uh, I mean I I guess you could say that it was kind of foreshadowing, you know, at 15 before I actually became uh, more enlightened. I would say I didn't actually become uh, like non a non-believer in the Christ Judeo-Christian God until I was about maybe 17. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll get to that one in, in just a second. But uh, the biggest influence I had, and uh, we've talked about this one before. Uh, was my uh, exposure to exposure? There I go. I'm using that word again. <laughs> uh, me uh, learning about George Carlin and the way that he thought about things and the way that he explained things was very clear to me. And the uh, the comedy bit that he did that really uh, flipped the light on, if you will, was whenever he said that uh, that religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky watching everything you do every minute of every day. And this invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these things, he's got a special place for you full of fire and smoke and anguish and torture to send you where you will, you know, you know, be in agony and scream and choke and, and, and scream and cry forever and ever until the end of time, no exceptions, but he loves you. And I was like, well, when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But the, after I heard that bit, it, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit, and I began giving, uh, having a more broad uh, 
broad way of thinking, you know, not not exactly looking at the theist way of looking at things, but really expanding my mind and really starting to uh, embrace my skepticism. Because I've had my I, I've been I, I've had my suspicions about its falsehoods. I would say since I was twelve, and you know some things didn't make sense to me, but I was just telling myself that uh, maybe I wasn't looking into it right because preacher would tell me that you know maybe I need to pray on it, maybe I need to look, uh, uh, read the Bible more, maybe I need to find the right interpretation, you know things like that, read between the lines of the Bible. But I started thinking about things. And one and one of the realizations, like I said, I started really learning about the universe and things like that. I'm like, this universe seems way too big for one God to have ever conceived. Because we're in such a tiny little not even a not even a speck within the cosmos. Yet God created all of it just for that one tiny little speck. That seems really, really unlikely. And and like I said, you know, the universe humbles me to think that I'm so small in such a grand scheme. And it just seemed to me like God was just too small for the universe. But I I held on. I held on to all that, uh, even still, because like I said, living in the Deep South, it's all I knew. It's all I thought you could ever know until George Carlin. But this is the stuff I've grown up with. I've grown up with. So... I started looking into it, and I, with this new state of mind, I started reading the Bible again. But my new state of mind was this, that this is the absolute word of God. Um, there should be no interpretations. There doesn't need to be any, uh, any reading between the lines. This is exactly how he wants us to, to think. This is, these are the lessons that he definitely wants us to learn and take into our hearts. So I began reading it. And I just began thinking to myself, wow, this is some uh, – can I use profanity on your show? Sure. Okay. Because there's no other way to describe this. I just said, wow, this is some fucked up shit. Absolutely. This is the most some of the most messed up things i ever I ever seen. Now that I'm taking it all in, the imagery is actually there of what is actually in this book that I'm supposed to be interpreting as something good. My last bit of hope was going to church with it. Sunday, uh, it was su- it was Sunday service. I'm listening to the preacher do his do his spiel, and I'm thinking to myself, how is he getting that from this? And from then on, I was like, this is just just a bunch of bullshit. And that was really the last straw for me for the Judeo Christian God. Now, for a few years, I was more or less like a deist. I was thinking to myself that maybe there was a higher power out there because, like I said, the universe was just so vast. It seems like something would have to create this. But And I also got into this weird hippie energies thing. Uh, we won't even get into that. <laughs> and... Um, until about maybe about four years ago, I, I learned of the atheist experience and uh, started listening to Matt Dillahunty more. And um, love, him or, love him or hate him, uh, he made up a great point to me. You know, if you if you can't justify for the things that you believe in with evidence, then what's the point of believing in it? Because evidence is truth, and you want to learn as many truths as possible and, and the least amount of falsehoods. 
Sure. And um, that's pretty much where I am today. I'm in a position where I won't take anything at face value. I, I, I am skeptical of a lot of things. And I don't believe anything would necessarily be uh, be true unless there was sufficient evidence of that. Uh, typically, it goes down the scientific route, um, but you know whether that's the correct way of looking at it or not. That's just that's just the way I d- I do. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, did did you ever consider yourself uh, something besides Christian? I mean, it sounds like you took a long journey away from uh, your Southern Christianity background. It was Southern Baptist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did did, did you ever call yourself a, a, a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a, a Seventh-day Adventist? Uh, did you ever Not... make a stop along any of those routes? I don't think I ever I've ever done that. I, I tried uh, tried going the Pentecostal road, but that freaked me the hell out. I didn't even get into that very much. Um, but predominantly, it was the Southern Baptist, and then into a more non-denom- non-denominational, uh, you know, view of Christianity. Not really having any, like you know, not really a Methodist or anything like that. But, yeah, the only two, I guess, labels of Christianity you could say that I was ever into was either Southern Baptist and Catholic early on. Catholicism is, is, is my background. That's uh, that's some good stuff there. That's Is there something about losing that that belief in God that now drives you to try to, to want to form a community of atheists? Um. At first, it, I, I didn't really give it that much thought. I just thought that, you know, I, I, this is what I believe, and, and I, well, this is what I really don't believe, and this is how I look at things. And I just kind of left it at that. Um, I really didn't mind it until uh, after I actually moved to Terre Haute. Um, the only other, uh, well, the only really atheists or, or, or agnostics or uh Skeptics that I I'd, I'd known up here for a good two years was uh, was with the family that I moved up here with. You know my you know my wife, brother-in-laws, uh, my uh, my parents-in-laws. Um, it was the only ones I really ever knew. And uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's one thing to you know relate to these people I live with. And I know how they think. I know how they are. But you know, there's really not a lot of other people that I know. Who looks this way? Who looks at things this way? And honestly, I didn't think there were a lot of atheists up here. Um, um, so it kind of felt like I was kind of alone, like in Terre Haute. Like me and my family were kind of alone in this kind in this uh, situation. And then I, um, and then I met my. The first atheist I ever met was at was at my job at Best Buy uh, about two and a half three years ago, and uh, I was like, "There's more, <laughs> really?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's one, she's one, uh, he he's kind of one." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh my god, really? Like this isn't this is this is good. This is good. This is, I, I have." people I can relate to a little better. And that's what kind of drove me to want to create uh, the, the, the group that, that you uh, 
that you announced earlier, uh, was to bring uh, people of like minds, you know, skeptics, atheists, agnostics together um, so that we could have like minds and have civil discussions about these kinds of things and be able to be in a community that does agree with one another uh, to some extent, of course. Um, and, you know, along with that, I wanted to help people because I've heard stories. Well, I'll go back. I, I've heard stories of people uh, being too afraid to come out with, with their atheism because of uh, committing social suicide with their f friends and family. And I wanted to try and help uh, people come out to that or at least have some comfort that there's other people out there. Uh, I know the, I believe, uh, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, is that, is that what they're called? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I know they. I know they're making valiant efforts to do that. I just that's just one of the things that I you know kind of want to be part of, but more locally within the Wabash Valley. Um, so far, we've got we've got a pr pretty decent membership on Facebook. I just wish some of those people were more active in real life, but <laughs> it is it is. I just know they're out there. You, you know, I think that even just having a, a Facebook group to go to, just uh, to have a virtual place where you can go online, where you're not surrounded with people who think that you're broken, who think that there's something wrong with you, who are always praying for your eternal soul, um, just to have a respite from that can be extremely helpful. Just to let people know that they're not alone, and they're not crazy, right? Just to let people know that there are others out there um, who who don't think that it's reasonable to think that there's an imaginary guy or an invisible guy living in the sky watching your every move. Yeah, I see your point there. That doesn't make sense. No, but I but I would like to have a little more engagement in the community, though. A little more activism. Um, a little more. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little more getting the word out there that we're here, that you know we are amongst you, uh, amongst these you know the, you know the people, uh, a predominantly Christian community in Terre Haute, you know. So I mean, you know we're we're here. You're gonna find some way to accept us, and then use that uh, you know our our efforts to try and normalize, help normalize atheism, and try to remove the stigma from it. Um, it, maybe not, you know, around the world, but at least in our little slice of Indiana. Well, sure, yeah, or at least among the people who know us and who know of us and uh, and know us as good people, good, friendly, happy people. Well, okay, know you as a good, friendly, happy They are not going to know me as a good, friendly, happy person. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll... <laughs> You'll have to be the nice, friendly person for me. I'll see what I can do. No <laughs> so, um, one thing that I want to do in this series of interviews that I'm doing for for the show is I kind of want to ask some of the questions that uh, that theists always tend to ask us. You know, every time I've ever had a conversation with a theist, any kind of theist, there are a few questions that always come up no matter what. And yeah. so and so I I'm going to I'm going to just kind of throw some of these at you. Like look, if there's no heaven or hell, then how do you find meaning in your life, Robert? How is there ever any meaning if 
this life is all there is. Well, that's exactly the point. This life is all that there is. And um, in your, when you're in my position, you have one or two things. You can, either waste, you can either waste that one shot on earth that you got by, you know, completely giving up on it and not finding any meaning at all, or you can live that life to its fullest. You know, you can make a meaning out of your life. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a divine purpose, but you can find your own purpose in life. Whether that be, hell, if, if your purpose in life was to waste it, fine. But, you know, you have to find your own way. Do you, do you ever think that, you know, you could be wrong? And, like, what would happen if you were wrong? Well, if I was wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, it, there's really nothing else I can do. I mean... If I die and it turns out I'm wrong, well, okay, well, I was wrong. I'm willing to accept that responsibility. And even still, I'm I'm already screwed. Uh, haven't I already the already committed the unforgivable sin, and that is, you know, rejecting God altogether? Wow. Haven't I already? Done that? So even if I even if I change my mind tomorrow, I'm I'm boned. So I mean. <laughs> If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, sure, I'll have a laundry list of things to say to God or whoever's going to be meeting me up there if he's up there. But, you know, whatever. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Better get comfy within the fires of hell. Make Satan my homeboy. <laughs> you, uh... <laughs> I actually uh, uh, heard of the, uh, a really neat little, like, 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 uh, like a little thought experiment. Like, what if God purposely taught us a bunch of bullshit so that people like us, who are skeptical of it, we were actually able to use the brains that he gifted us with to look past that, and the people who are actually able to reject the bullshit that he purposely wanted us to figure out and denounce, maybe that's what our divine purpose was, and we're allowed into heaven. <laughs> it's a fun little thought, but it's still bullshit, but it's a fun little thought. It's a very Star Trek, uh, Starfleet <laughs> Academy kind of thing to do. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> That's a very weird psych test kind of thing that I could see uh, Starfleet Academy doing. Plot twist, Spock is God. Mm. <laughs> All this time, actually, it was Q. It was Q all this time. Ooh, speaking of which, you're planning on going to the Reason Rally, right? Oh, I want to. I know he's going to be there. He's going to be there. I know. It blew my mind. I'm like, Q's going to be there. Did, did, you, yeah. did, did you hear their latest A-list dude? Uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is going to be there. Yeah, Aaron squeed a little. She was she was so excited to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be amazing. That yeah. So um, uh, book your ho book your hotel. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a rally bus around these parts. Uh, last last time there was a rally bus in Indianapolis, but I am not taking the rally bus because I intend to spend a couple of extra days in D.C., okay. um, 
They've got parties going on the days before. They've got parties going on the days after. Um, so I'm going to go and uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to get to go. I've got my hotel room booked. Uh, so hopefully Felicia is going to be feeling well enough to make to make that trip on June 4th. That's that's the day of the Reason Rally. So you mark your calendar and book I'll, your uh, hotel. I'll save a few bucks. Hopefully I'll be able to be able to make it. <laughs> yeah, because it's a good, it's going to be it's going to be good times, and I'll be able to I'll be able to introduce you to all the other atheist podcasters that I know. Neat. Yeah, maybe it'll, maybe it'll inspire me to make my own podcast. Who knows? You should do that because it, it costs no money and you require no talent. I'm proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Robert, I want to. We're going to have to wrap things up here because I wanted to actually try to keep this to a one episode kind of thing. If there was a way, if if there was a guy or a gal in front of you who was on the fence. Who was think who had doubts about the existence of God, but was just uh, afraid to take the next step? What? How would you inspire that person to search for the truth? I would first say, embrace those doubts. Figure out why you have those doubts. Go out and find out what it is that you are skeptical about. And you take that information, and you have to make a decision on your own about this. No one can change your mind about whether or not you're going to believe. You have to take whatever doubt you have, and if you think that you're justified for that doubt, then you're justified for it. And maybe, that, maybe that'll maybe that turn you to uh, at least not, not, not become an atheist, but at least be on that track of being one. Um, because it is something that it's almost liberating to uh, to let go of, to think that you're a bad person, that you were born bad, and things like this. It's just embrace the doubt, figure out why you have them, and if you're justified, you're justified for having the doubt, and the truth can be revealed to you in time. Awesome. So, Robert, tell everybody how they can find you, stalk you uh, on Facebook, uh, on all of the social medias or any contact information that you want to share? Um, the best way to really get a hold of me is probably look up our uh, group on Facebook. It's the Atheist Community of Terre Haute. Uh, just look up, look us up on Facebook. I also have um, an email uh, specifically for uh, the Atheist group. That email, email is uh, actdirector at gmail.com if you ha if anyone has any questions for me or want any in information about the group or anything like that or just want to talk feel free to email me or look us up on facebook awesome well robert i want to thank you so much for joining me tonight it's been a lot of fun and i really enjoyed having you having us be able to bring a whole bunch of heathens together on a bi-weekly <laughs> basis so we can hang out and just have a whole bunch of cool people together. We're like the cool kids club. So if oh, you want yeah. to be part of the cool kids club, you got to go find the atheist community of Terre Haute. Hi, everybody. That is the end of my interview with Robert Burks. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, Robert's just a cool kind of guy. If you want to get to know, 
because, you know, you do. So you do. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next week, take care of yourselves because God isn't here. We are. Good night. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of Atheists, Humanists, and Agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided, as always, by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God isn't here. We are. Take care of yourselves.